Morning, y'all. I'm Stephen Artery, in for Katie Kamen, and it's Friday, February 23rd. On this date, in 1945, U.S. Marines raised two American flags on Mount Suribachi at Iwo Jima. The second flag raising was captured in an iconic Associated Press photograph. And, on this date in 2007, a Mississippi grand jury refused to bring any new charges in the 1955 slaying of Emmett Till. Till was a black teen who was beaten and shot after being accused of whistling at a white woman. The grand jury declined to indict the woman on a manslaughter charge. And here's your trivia question. On this date in 1954, the first mass inoculation of school children began in Pittsburgh. Some 5,000 children were vaccinated using the Salk vaccine. Do you remember what they were vaccinated against? I'll have that answer coming up. But first, it's time to check on your first alert forecast. Good morning, everyone. Meteorologist Chris Holtzman here. Keep the rain gear handy. We are tracking a cold front that will bring showers and storms to the area, especially late this morning into the afternoon. Temperatures will be near 70 degrees. And then eventually, once that front crosses, we'll see temperatures drop tonight. But we are looking at scattered rain and a breezy conditions. The wind could gust up to 30 miles per hour at times. But notice we could even see a strong to severe storm later today with gusty wind and small hail with some of that instability. And then once that front clears our area, we dry out overnight. For tonight, temperatures are back in the 40s. We'll have rain early. It will be chilly, but we dry out mainly for uh, the weekend. Saturday, very small chance of a shower in the afternoon with temperatures in the 60s, but we're back in the 70s next week. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast powered by the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Now, let's get to your morning headlines. It all comes down to this weekend. The Republican presidential primary is just 24 hours away, but voters right here in the Palmetto State are already turning out in droves to make their voices heard at the ballot box. Early voting has closed. It closed last night, and the numbers are in. Live Five's Autumn Klein joins us live now with the latest data. Autumn, just how many people have cast their ballots so far, and, and how is this stacking up against the Democratic primary just a few weeks ago? Well, guys, we already knew that the Republican numbers were going to smash the Democratic primaries. Just last week, early voting numbers had already doubled the Democratic turnout, and that was just in the first week alone. The South Carolina Election Commission released new numbers last night, and we now know just how many people opted to vote early. The latest data showed that before yesterday, more than 165,000 South Carolinians cast their ballots early, with just under 30,000 coming from the Tri-County area. Election officials also tell us that they're expecting around 50,000 voters to come out for Election Day tomorrow. Turnout for the Democratic primary was less than 5%. About 131,000 people cast ballots in that competition. Of course, that was not a competitive election. Saturday's contest between the only candidates who haven't dropped out, Nikki Haley and Donald Trump, is likely to generate a much stronger turnout. Now, of course, early voting has ended, but tomorrow the polls will be open for in-person voting beginning at 7 a.m. You can find your polling location on our website. But just a reminder, if you voted in the Democratic primary, you will not be allowed to vote tomorrow. Coming up at 530, I'll be breaking down for you how much each candidate is spending to get your vote. Live in Charleston, Autumn Klein. Live 5 News. All right, thanks, Adam. Well, both candidates still in the race, Nikki Haley and Donald Trump. They'll be in the state on election night. Trump is holding a watch party in Columbia, while Haley's camp will be watching the results come in from right here in Charleston. 
If you are heading to the polls tomorrow, you'll see more than just candidates' names on the ballots. There will be some three questions, advisory questions, that the state's Republican Party is using to find the issues that you care about most. So this year, they're asking whether you think South Carolina should be a closed primary state. That would prevent registered Democrats from voting in the GOP primary and registered Republicans from voting in the Democratic primary. Experts say some voters do it to hurt the other side. Typically what the consequences is that when you have a legislation or a rule that only party members can vote in a primary, it leads to what we call a closed primary and it results in more ideological candidates winning. So more conservative Republicans, more Democrat, more liberal or more progressive Democrats. Other advisory questions include your standpoints on business liability and your opinions on the way South Carolina appoints its judges. The questions are nothing new, but this election cycle, they are appearing earlier than normal. U.S. Senator Tim Scott was one of nearly 200,000 South Carolinians to head to the polls early. The Republican headed out to his polling place in Hanahan yesterday, greeting residents and poll workers alike. Once inside, Scott stepped up to the machine, cast his early vote. Outside the polls, Scott said, quote, The truth of the matter is that I'm far better at encouraging and being excited and motivated for President Donald Trump than I was for myself, that in reference to his own presidential race or campaign. He says getting the GOP nomination right is vital to our country's future. The one person that stands in the way of having a conversation between Joe Biden and Donald Trump is Nikki Haley. And so getting out of the way is incredibly important, not for the party, but for America's future. Scott endorsed former President Trump shortly after he dropped out of the race himself last November. We're learning more information about the officer-involved shooting in North Charleston that we first brought you yesterday morning. We now know it was deadly. The State Law Enforcement Division investigated that incident, and it happened on Highway 78 and Shipley Street late Wednesday night. Investigators tell us North Charleston police officers exchanged gunfire with a man after a chase, and that's when a police car hit the suspect. The man later died at the hospital. His name has not yet been released. While no officers were hurt, those involved were placed on administrative leave. That is an update from what we brought you yesterday, and that's all according to the department policy until this investigation wraps up. Nearly six years after the murder of Naquan Martin, his family and North Charleston police are still asking the same question. Who did it? Back on May 29, 2018, officers say Martin was shot and killed while heading to his car. Now investigators believe they know the motive behind the crime, but they didn't share it with the community. Now, no arrests have been ever made in the case, but officers tell us that there could be witnesses that have yet to come forward. If you have any useful information in the case, you can call Crime Stoppers using the number on your screen there. That's 843-554-1111. The pilot program for the State Law Enforcement Division's rape kit tracking system is finally going live across the state after the first launching in the Grand Strand. It was pilot tested there in December. The tracking gives sexual assault survivors a chance to track the status of their rape kits. SLED says every sheriff's department and solicitor's office are enrolled. Investigators with the 15th Solicitor's Office tell us that it can sometimes take SLED up to two years to process evidence. But investigators say survivors no longer have to go through that time wondering what's being done. 
And I think being able to log into the internet and actually be able to look at it themselves gives you a feeling of being in control. You're worried about what's happening next. So it gives the person a peace of mind, I think, to be able to see what's happening in their case. Real time, too. Governor Henry McMaster first ordered SLED to create this system back in 2020. And since the launch in December, 77 kits have gone into the system. SLED is working to launch those kits across the state as soon as possible, we're told. Inmates inside of South Carolina Department of Corrections facilities can't do interviews with the media because the department has a total ban in place. And now the American Civil Liberties Union is suing the department, claiming it's violating the inmates' First Amendment rights. In a press release about the lawsuit yesterday, the ACLU cites Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from Birmingham jail, Nelson Mandela's autobiography, and four books of the New Testament as historical examples of the impact of those who are incarcerated can have by speaking to the press. The organization cited convicted murderer Alec Murdoch's case. Murdoch had previously faced punishments for speaking to the media. The ACLU says that it hopes to address this routine violation of all, not just the high-profile cases. In a statement from an attorney with the ACLU's Speech, Privacy, and Technology Project, they say, quote, the SCDC's categorical rule that incarcerated people can never talk to the press or anyone else for the purpose of publication is blatantly unconstitutional. This policy is so broad that no court has upheld anything similar. We urge the court to block this law and defend our rights to free speech as soon as possible. In response, the State Department of Corrections says inmates are allowed to write letters to the press, but there is a concern over prison safety if they get notoriety from the media attention. Two more men are pleading guilty for their roles in South Carolina's deadliest prison riot. Seven people were killed and more than 20 people were hurt when the violence broke out at Lee Correctional Institution in 2018. Since then, 47 inmates have been charged. Yesterday, Daniel P.A. and Jeffrey Samuels stood before a judge. P.A. pleaded guilty to voluntary manslaughter and conspiracy, while Samuels pleaded guilty to two charges of assault and battery by mob in the second degree. Three other men involved in the riots had hearings yesterday. Stephen Green, Brian Taylor, and David Forbes, all three are facing numerous charges. Their trials are expected to be held at later dates. The race for the Republican presidential nomination is heating up right here in South Carolina. Ahead of tomorrow's primary candidates are dumping huge amounts of money into the low country to try and convince you that they're the right person for the job. Our Autumn Klein is live this morning following the candidates as they get ready for Saturday's primary. So Autumn, we know millions of dollars have poured into the state, but what does that look like locally? Nick, Shelby, we won't know exactly how much money these campaigns have spent until April, which is when the campaign finance quarterly paperwork is due. But there is one metric we can look at right now, and that's TV ad spending. If you put on the TV at all in the last months, you've likely seen the political ads, most of them for former Governor Nikki Haley. Haley has spent big trying to wrestle control of the GOP from former President Donald Trump. Across just the three major TV stations here in Charleston, Haley has dropped more than 600000 since January. Trump has only bought one ad in that time for about $113,000. Now amplify that across the state and it quickly adds up. 
According to the Haley campaign, they've spent more than $6 million across the state on TV ads alone. Both candidates also don't show signs of slowing down, with Haley raising $17 million in January and Trump sitting on around $30 million of cash on hand. But while Trump is saving on TV ads, he has dropped millions on legal fees from his various court cases. Haley is still down in the polls, but the latest campaign finance reports show that she actually outraced Trump by about $3 million dollars in January. Live in Charleston, Autumn Klein, Live 5 News. Autumn, thank you. Both candidates and their proxies have been crossing into the state as well. Earlier this week, Trump and Haley both visited Greenville. Just yesterday, Haley was in Georgetown and Myrtle Beach, and there is still time to hear from both of them. Yeah, Trump is holding a rally in Rock Hill tonight with doors opening at 1. Haley will be in the Low Country with rallies in Monk's Corner at 2 and Patriots Point at 4.30. Polls will open across the state tomorrow from 7 to 7. And more than $76,000 have been approved for a new voter registration program. The funds were approved Thursday at the Charleston County Council's Finance Committee meeting. The program is aimed at recruiting college students as poll workers and providing a course to educate them on civic engagement. Live Five's Destiny Kennedy tells us how many students the board is hoping to recruit for the program. Officials tell me they hope to gain over 100 poll workers through this two-year program. The program is aimed at recruiting poll workers right in our own backyard from colleges like the College of Charleston. The Board of Elections says most of their poll workers are over the age of 65, a reason they're hoping to encourage a younger generation to get involved. I think being able to volunteer would be a lot better because as a class, I mean, the kids are just sitting there. They're like playing games on their computers and not really paying attention. If you actually want them to learn about politics and like how we elect our politicians, you have to actually put them out there. Charleston County was one of the 14 nationwide selected to receive this grant. Through this partnership, a specialized course focused on civic engagement will be developed. This course will revolve around the role of poll workers and the importance of recruiting fellow students to participate in the electoral process. Like they don't know, like truly, um, just any knowledge about like politics, honestly. And um, I think engaging our generation more in that is definitely, I think we need that for our future for sure. Thursday's approval allowed the Board of Elections and Voter Registration to accept the grant in the amount of $76,861 from the U.S. Election Assistance Commission for the program with the understanding that funding will be used now through January 31st, 2026. A 10% match will come from the Board of Elections and Voter Registration Savings Budget. The executive director for Charleston County's Board of Voter Registration and Elections, Isaac Kramer, explains the importance of ushering in a new generation of poll workers. One of the things we hear a lot from young people is their vote doesn't count. And this program is going to help you show how your vote is counted and how it does matter. Being intimately involved in that is going to make a lasting impact. Um, and then a part of that is going to give them life skills. Kramer tells me the first year they will be working with the school to implement the curriculum, and he hopes to see poll worker growth by the second. Reporting in North Charleston, Destiny Kennedy, Live 5 News. At the top of the show, I told you that on this date in 1954, the first mass vaccination of school children began. Kids received the Salk vaccine, and you're right if you remembered it was to prevent polio. 
Celebrating birthdays this Friday, Home Improvement's Patricia Richardson is 73, actress Niecy Nash is 55, actor Aziz Ansari from Parks and Recreation turns 41, and actor Dakota Fanning is 30. Thanks for joining us for Morning Y'all, powered by Live 5 News. I hope you have a great weekend. I'm Stephen Artery, in for Katie Kamen, and I'll talk to you on Monday. Morning Y'all is produced every weekday morning. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and download the Live 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.